really blessed today to have a special guest with us, Pastor Samuel from Sioux Falls. I'm going to ask that he would come forward now, and we're going to have a little conversation together. Pastor Samuel pastors a congregation here in Sioux Falls, and they meet downtown at the Sioux Falls Ministry Center, and uh, he preaches for them and leads that congregation, and so we're excited that he's with us today. We're just going to have a little conversation. You want to bring these chairs up here? It's going to be that long thing. (laughs) But uh, Pastor Samuel, uh, I know him through the Sioux Falls Ministry Center, and uh, his work with the congregation there, and then Pastor Samuel also has an orphanage that he's helped start over in Liberia uh, after coming here as a refugee, and we're going to learn more about that in a little bit. But kind of what started this whole process was two years ago or three years ago, King of Glory had a minivan donated to us, and the purpose of that minivan was to haul sound equipment around, since we don't have a permanent place at the time. And uh, about a couple of months ago, the minivan was sitting in Boltzmann's garage and not really getting used anymore. And so the leadership team said, oh, we either need to sell it or we need to give it away. Well, I was really proud of the leadership team. They said, Let's, we were given it. We didn't buy it. We were blessed with it. Let's turn around and try and bless someone else with it. And so uh, after some conversation and research, found out that Pastor Samuel hauls sound equipment for their congregation on, on Sundays. He also has a large, been blessed with a large family and also gives rides to a lot of people to church. And so the leadership team decided to bless Pastor Samuel's family with that minivan. And so that's was the part of the startup connection with us and Pastor Samuel. We're just blessed that he's here this morning, and uh, I'm going to ask that he would just start, tell us how you came to Sioux Falls, and uh, whatever else, and then I'll just interrupt and tell you what to say or not to say. So <laughs> go ahead and start telling us about yourself and how you ended up here. Well, as the Bible says, it's a pleasure for us to gather together in the presence of the Lord. And the Bible led me to know that there is no stranger in the house of the Lord. So I believe that when I enter King of Glory, I'm not a stranger. The same way when you come to Sufa Ministry Center, you are not a stranger in Jesus' name. Um, by the way, the introduction, some of you don't know me. I'm Pastor Samuel Gaite. I'm from Sufa, South Dakota. <laughs> well, sometimes when I say I'm from Sufa, they say, yeah, I know you're from Sufa, but where you come from really? I said, yes. <laughs> Originally, I'm from Liberia, West Africa. I came to Sioux Falls 2007, May 29. I came here as a refugee. When I was in Liberia, there was a civil war in my country. And I left the country. I went in different country as refugee. So when we were there as refugee, and there's a war broke out in that country, in Ari Coast. So there's no other way for us to go back to our own native country, and we cannot stay in that country. So when we were there, we were not having different means out. There's no way behind, no way in front. So we're just looking up to God for rescues. And by the special grace of God, the U.S. immigration, they have the evacuation program. One morning when we were on the refugee camp, there's a lady, American lady, she came, she brought a paper. She said, I want for everybody to write their names. Other people, they were frustrated. They don't have time. No food. People hungry. Then you bring in a lot of paper to write names. So other people refused to do it. Some of us that were obedient, 
We wrote our names on her paper. She left. After three weeks, other group came by. They said last week, the name that you wrote on this paper, that's for evacuation. The U.S. immigration want to take you people from here. Your life is not safe. So by the special grace of God, the how they took us from the refugee camp and they brought us to the U.S. When I reached here, first I got down to Chicago and they asked me, Samuel, do you know where you're going? I said, no. Because the first thing, I don't have idea about America. They said, you are going to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. <laughs> so that's how they brought me into Sioux Falls, South Dakota, through the Lutheran social services as well. And when I came here, before coming to United States, we went through a lot of challenges, a lot of tough time. And I know that by the special grace of God, and the hand of protection that is upon us, that's why I'm still here by this time. But if it was left with the devil and his agencies, by this time I should have been dead. But we give God the glory for everything that he has done. So when I came here, I don't even know how my documents were processed. Other people in Africa right now, to, if they want to travel to come to the United States, it's very difficult. Other people, they have money. But even to get a visa to come here, that's, it's not easy. But for me, my coming to the United States, I don't know how my documents were processed. When I came here, after two weeks, all my documents were in the mail. And by the special grace of God, before I turned five years in the country, I became a U.S. citizen. Amen. So coming from Liberia, from the refugee camp to come here is by the special grace of God. Because we went through a lot of tough times. Sometimes there's no food to eat, no drinking water. Sometimes you live on a refugee camp with the build a tent. Maybe like this, a school building. Everybody going to put down their mattresses and everybody going to lay down on the same floor. So other people are sick, no medication. Maybe sometime when you wake up at night, your neighbor saw you, the person is dead, and they will just come and uh, carry the person for burial. We went through all the situation. How many years? How many years were you going through that? From um, well, I went through that like ten years. Yes. I remember that next time waiting in line at Yes. McDonald's. I went through that period, 10 years. I was in exile for 10 years before my exile continued all the way and God brought me here. So we went through that period. And God's hand of protection was upon us and he brought us here. And uh, it's a blessing for somebody to be in this great nation like America. So when I was coming, the first thinking, like, we were on the refugee camp. They said, we are taking you from here, carry a different place. So I said, we've been going from refugee camp to refugee camp. So they are taking us to another refugee camp. They said, no, America is not a refugee camp. You're not going to be on a camp. You're going to have your own apartment and this. So when we came here, we blessed God that things are better, and God has done a great job for us. Because before, I never used to get a food to eat. But right here when I came, foods are surplus, no shoes to wear, no clothes. But here, 
by the grace of God, we have clothes, we have shoes. I how, told you I was like... How old were you when you first I, wore shoes? I was like 11 years before I started wearing shoes because my parents cannot afford and also to be a refugee is not easy. So I was uh, 11 years. So when I came here, I see some young babies wearing shoes. I said, what? <laughs> I, was, I didn't wear shoes until I 11. I see young babies who cannot walk, they are wearing shoes. America is a blessed country. Don't come look in my daughter's closet. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so when I came, <laughs> yeah, this country is a blessed country, as I said. So I came. And some of my children who were born here, I decided to buy shoes for them. Even before they come from Central Hospital, I already finished buying some shoes for them. Cause <laughs> well, that's one of the themes that you're hopefully hearing is two words, blessed and grace. Yes. God, God blessed Samuel God, by God's grace, which means Samuel didn't deserve this. He I didn't, didn't deserve he it. He didn't earn it. And he, no. God gave it to him. And so what happened, though, this is... This is what I would call a biblical redemption. So Samuel leaves difficulty and horror, I think I can say fairly honestly. Yet when he comes here, now we're going to turn a little bit to what he's doing now back in Liberia. So when he came here, he basically said to his wife, we need to take what we've been blessed with and turn around and bless those who are still struggling in Liberia. So now that he's kind of been redeemed, he's seeking to turn that blessing back around. So tell us a little bit, what are you doing in Liberia right now? How big is the orphanage that you're trying to get started? How many kids are there? Tell us about that. Yes. So when I came here, as I'm saying, here you got a lot of food. Like my children, when you open the fridge, there are a lot of food. Sometimes when they eat, there are a lot of food. They take some, they put that in the trash. But for them, they don't know what we went through. So when I sat down, I look at them and I said, the food you are taking right now, put in the trash. And if I think about where I came from and the other kids, when I see you putting the food in the trash, then it hurt me. So I talked to my wife. I said, for us to be here, that is the blessing of God. That's the grace of God. So we cannot forget where we came from. So all the kids over there, they are dying from hunger. And I see our kids putting food in the trash. So we have to do something to begin to help those people. So we begin to help some of the children who don't have parents. We started first with two kids. But the more kids that you help, the more cases they identify. And every night, even when I'm sleeping, they will call me from Africa. Because when I was there as refugee, Despite of the situation, on the refugee camp, I was still pastoring. I know that God, one day, he will deliver me from that situation. And definitely, he did. So we begin to help these children. From two to three, three to five, the number begin to increase. So what I told my wife is, now we have our own family. Our children here, they are going to school. We have our own responsibility. And since this is a passion and a vision for us to help others, I want us to let other people know who will be able to come in to help us that tomorrow the vision will not perish. So, and I went even to my congregation and I let them know. And most of them too, they embrace the idea. Since that time we've been working together. 
And what's the next thing to do? The next thing, we decided to register the organization, the project with the government of South Dakota. So after the registration, sometimes if you want to carry on some operation in a strange land, there are a lot of things that you don't know about. So it's very, very difficult. Like sometime when I came first, my first problem was the language barrier. I speak French, I speak English. I mean, I speak French and Crown, but I was not speaking English. So when I came, sometimes the language barrier, it was a big problem. Even though I'm losing civil service, I was having a case worker, but before they take me for appointment, they gotta look for somebody to interpret. And sometimes, too, some interpreters, they cannot interpret you well when you say A and they say B. Instead of saying the same A, they say B. So it was a challenge that I was going through. So I decided to go to Lutheran Civil Services to do in a second language. I was there gradually, at least now I'm trying to communicate a little bit in English. So praise God for that. Doing pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> So after when we did the registration, I begin to ask, after the registration, what's the next thing? They say you had to look for board members. So from that time, 2012, we begin to look for board members, talking to other people that I know. It takes me a whole year, and I found three people to be on the board. So right now, we have three people on the board, and gradually, we are working in Liberia. Right now, we have 32 kids who are on the sponsorship of CRI. So last month, myself, I took a mission trip to Liberia. I was there for three weeks. I came back like three weeks ago. Next week, Thursday will make me a month. Sometimes we send a money, we send a support to the children, but you have to go and see what is going on. So by the special grace of God, myself, I went there this year and I visited the children and I saw the need in the country. I told you that I was like eight years and I left the country. So I just returned by because from exile to the United States, from the United States before I have gone back in the country. Because other people there, when I reached, they don't even know me. Even when I went there, I have a revival preaching the word of God, going from places to places. At least my going back in the country it was an addition to the kingdom. God, most people gave their life to Jesus and people were baptized. We have nine souls that were baptized before coming back to the United States. But the orphaned children right now, there are a lot of needs. No food, no safe drinking water. Some of them mosquito, like some of them fever. Some of the children, they are not well. You have, 30, you have 32 kids, and what, how big of a building is the orphanage that they're in? 32 kids, and the room, the building right now is like five rooms. Because that was the starting point. You know, what we have, what in your hand is what you start with. You know, we have a bigger vision to even enlarge the building, but what is in your hand is what you use to work for now. So right now we have the five bedrooms and we have that the two kids, every one of them, they are still to the same place. But we are trusting in God for an extension of the building. So you have 32 kids there in the place. What are the top clean water? What are they drinking now? 
Right now, they don't have any clean water. They take water from the swamp, and then they will boil the water, and when it gets cool, and they begin to drink it. So how much would it cost to have clean water there? When I was there the last time, because I was there before the shelter was completed, the three weeks I was there myself, I went on the site helping the people working, and the building was completed, so now they are moved to the center, but the drinking water is not there. Those who are supposed to do, when I talk to them, they said to dig the well and to bring that machine, hand pump, is 500, and their labor cost is 250. So $750 for yes. clean, clean water for a well there. Yes, so and I asked them, how long would that take if I have the money? They said, well, if you have the money, the first thing you have to do is to bring, to make a deposit. When you make a deposit less than two weeks, the water will be available. So okay, clean water, $750. Yes. You talked about um, and mosquitoes. And I talked about mosquito net. Sometimes mosquitoes always carry malaria. Most of the time, people from Africa, Liberia, mostly say malaria. But it's caused by mosquitoes. There are a lot of mosquitoes. You know, the neighbor who is not clean, the sanitation, so the hygiene, the places are not clean. So mosquito net, I think it will be able to help keep the children from malaria. My fear and my prayer right now, where you have a lot of kids, if one or two is sick among them, it's possible that the fever spread to the rest of them. And even the 32 kids right now that we have, it's my prayer, if at least we can have a first aid where they are, it would be very important. Sometimes some of them say, some other diseases that don't kill people here in America, they kill people over there just for common because no treatment. When I went there, I visited some other kids, I pray with them who are sick. Only you pray for them, but there's no medication for that. So, do you wear, how do mosquito nets work? Well, mosquito net, like if you are laying down right here, they're gonna put a net over you, and the mosquito will not be able to penetrate to touch you. So, so myself, I went there, I tried to do that. When I lay down, I put the mosquito net over me. Yes. So how many kids are under one net, or what? Well, depends. What we're doing right now, like two on one bed, on that mattress like this, we have two, and then we put the net over them. We have this other two and put a net over them. So you need, how many more nets do you need? Well, since two can be on one and we have 32 right now, maybe somebody can do the calculation. 16 nets thing. <laughs> All right, 16 nets thing. How much is a net? And the net, I don't know how much will it be here, but over there is $10 US for one. Buy one net, so 16 times 10. Yes. Thing. Calculation, hold on a second. 160, thing. <laughs> so we got 160 for nets, we got 750 for water, that takes up to nine, and the, and the kid, 940. And the kid, as we are praying for God to provide food, shelter for them, and we are also praying for education as well. Because if you can get them food, you can get them mosquito net, because these children, God have a plan for them. Some of them, they are the future leaders for tomorrow. But right now, 
they feel that there's no hope for them. But I know that with God, all things are possible, and there is hope for their future. So as we're giving them food, giving them edu uh, sh shelter, mosquito net, but also to give them education. So what we did, we start like a class with them. They have their teachers, but we build a tent, and on the tent, there were they having their classes every day. But sometimes, if there's a rain, a lot of rain on the tent, then no school, they all will leave. So their education, we are trying to get them a school. That's a pro process I'm also working on to get them a school. Right now, they own a tent. So the tent, we want to make it out of building for them. So they have a comfortable place for learning. I even brought a video by where they were sitting on the tent. They were doing their lesson. Sometimes even school supplies they don't have. We have like five kids to one crayon. The other one wait for another person. When they wait, they give it to another person. So these are some of the challenges. And I told them that when I get by to the United States, I'm praying that God himself will provide resources or he will touch the mind of some other people that will be a blessing for you people. The, um, all right, I'm, now I'm dreaming out in left field. I got to get back into motion here. You got a lot going on over there, obviously, and not needs beyond what most of us would consider needs. Mm -hmm. And you're, you've been through more extremes of abundance and poverty than the majority of us will ever go through, saying that. Um, you've literally been in a situation with food in your hand, in, literally in your palm, for only two days. Yes. Saying, so you know what it's like to be in need, and you know what it's like to live in blessing. One of the things that all of us struggle with is Philippians 4 talks about, the Apostle Paul says, I know what it's like to be with abundance, I know what it's like to be in need, yet in all things I am content, I can do all things through him Christ. who strengthens me. So... We're in pursuit of contentment. We already have everything, yet we're still pursuing contentment. Encourage us, challenge us on how we can be content in Christ. Um, this hour, I just want to encourage you, as the pastor just said, I know how it is to be in one, and I know how it is to have more. But what we need to do as a Christian believer, the Bible says we have to be content. And do not look up to different person to supply your need, as the word of God says. God said, I will supply your need according to my riches and glory. So sometimes we need to be happy. Any situation that you find yourself, know that God has a plan for every one of us. When you read the book of Jeremiah, he said he have a better plan for us. The plan he has for you not to harm you, but to give you a better hope and a better future. So sometimes we need to be content. I'm seeing some other challenging situation that people are facing in different places. And they can still have hope and trust that God can deliver. And definitely God can deliver. And some other people, even here in this country, when the times of trials and temptation comes their way, they cannot focus on God. They don't know that God can deliver. But then other people will go ahead and commit like suicide. But I came by to let you know this hour. Do not allow any situation to move you, no matter what. The God that we are serving, he's faithful. 
He can take you from nowhere and carry you somewhere. There's no situation that he cannot touch. If God can take me from nowhere and bring, he brought me here, then I know that he can do it for any other person. And I remember the children of Israel when they were in captivity for that long period of time. But yes, still he took them out. So no matter whatsoever situation that you're going through, your today is not your tomorrow. God, he got a better future. He got a better future. He got a good plan for you. You may see yourself down today, tomorrow you may see yourself up. No condition is permanent. Christian brothers and sisters, any situation that you find yourself, give glory to him. He said, give God the thanks. In all circumstances, give him thanks. Be ye good or bad, because he knows the way out. But today, most of us, if we find ourselves in a bad situation, you feel that God has neglected you. But remember what he said. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. So sometimes when trials and temptation come, take the word of God and focus on the word of God. Only he alone can help you to make your situation different. And he can turn your test to testimony. If I'm standing here today, it's just by the grace of God. When I went by to Liberia the last time, all the people that are there, they don't even know me. Where are you from? I said, I'm from here. Because I was a little boy, and then we've been running here and there, here and there, until I came here. So the plan of God can never fail. And he has a plan for every one of us. So be content and focus on him. Know that he is the Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. He can provide for everybody. If he can provide for me, he can provide for you. Amen. He said his grace is sufficient. And I saw that his sufficient grace upon my life. So we've really, um, two things we've got to really wrestle with. One we haven't had time to get to, and that's all right. We'll have you back, I guess. Thing. Um, the first one is the obvious that hopefully is coming in your face right now, and that is that um, we've got brothers and sisters that are in need. And the scripture passage that we read today was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everybody knows that. Even non-Christians know the parable of the Good Samaritan. You could say that the parable of the Good Samaritan is the baseline yes. expectation for Christians. Jesus finishes that by saying, go and do likewise. Well, go and do what? Show mercy like the Samaritan showed mercy. Yes. And so I don't think I'm stretching the scripture at all to say that if they're neighbors, if, they're, if the Samaritan's a neighbor, those children over there are our neighbors. Thing. And so Jesus says to us, go and do likewise. And, and the challenge for us is this. We've got neighbors who need clean water and neighbors who need some nets for protection for health and longevity. Now, the thing that we have to wrestle with, and we did this intentionally, is that you've heard of other needs this morning as well. There's other neighbors who are, are struggling as well. And it, this is where the Christian has to wrestle. Where am I going to extend mercy? How am I going to extend help? It's not written down in the Bible for us always of what to do and when to do it. So we've got to wrestle and ask the Spirit for discernment of what needs we meet. And so this morning, we're put in front of us some very specific needs and how God would have us help with that situation. That's one thing that we've all got to wrestle with is how are our lives benefiting other people. The second issue hopefully is obvious but might not be as obvious. And I'm going to be politically incorrect for the next couple of minutes. That's this. You're a different color than me thing. And if you look out here, we're pretty much white. For the most part, pretty much white, pretty much the same. 
That's a problem thing. Um, this is not politically correct. I will say this. You're a blessing to the city of Sioux Falls. Yeah. We're happy to have you here. I believe Sioux Falls is better off because you are here. Oh, yes. thing, helping give us a full picture of, of God's creation. The most segregated place in the United States of America, without question, is the church. Hands down. Thing. And it's actually the exact opposite of God's message from Ephesians chapter 2 where it says you're no longer foreign or alien, but you're one in Christ. And so we've got a direct challenge in front of us this morning is that our congregation does not reflect the kingdom of God. Thing. And the question before us then is how will our congregation reflect the kingdom of God? You pastor a congregation, everything is in English, correct? Yes. Everything's in English. And so if you want to have an opportunity to go and worship, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a little bit longer than what you're used to here, thing, but not, but not much, thing. A couple of a couple of hours, but we're not going to get into it this morning, thing. But here's the reality: is this is the question: Is our congregation going to ignore the reality, which is, I'm not saying is right or wrong, but which is what the majority do, or are we going to say we want to look differently? And it's not going to be easy. Thing. There's going to be obvious communication challenges. There's going to be preference challenges. But the question is, is, do we want our reality to reflect the reality of the kingdom of God? And so um, I want my daughter to grow up next to your son and your daughter. And so that my son and my daughter are able to reflect better the whole creation that God has given to us and understand the beauties that you bring and your kids understand the beauties that we bring. I think we would glorify God in in, in that way. I'm not saying how we do it, when we do it, or whatever, but we've got to wrestle with that reality today, is that we're neglecting Scripture if we don't head on, and we don't acknowledge up front that we still got racial issues that we have to wrestle with. And so today, we leave here with one, we've got to decide where we're going to extend mercy. And then two, we've got to wrestle with how are we going to start functioning like Pastor Samuel is our brother. Not just let it be a stated fact from the Bible, but let it be a functional truth for our congregation. So I'm thankful that God has brought Pastor Samuel to us, and um, he works extremely hard. He does not get paid for preaching, thing, has a job outside of um, pastoring, and, uh, and then he seeks to be a blessing back to his home country. And so I hope that this morning we really wrestle with finding ways that we can be the Good Samaritan, that we can extend mercy. We could go on forever this morning, and we've got to start to wrap it up. Wrap it up here. Um, we do have some newlyweds, though, that are looking for a place for a honeymoon thing in the, in the near future thing. I'm assuming that that location is open thing. And I think we've got a father-in-law that would probably be willing to help write that check to get them, to get them, to get them, get them over there thing. But uh, I think the main message this morning is, is, is pretty clear. The main message is really simple. God has had mercy on you and I. And that's what we're going to celebrate in a few minutes at the Lord's Supper. You might say, what does communion have to do with kids with, with no mosquito nets and no clean water? It has everything to do. Because at communion, God meets our greatest need, which is the forgiveness of sins. At communion, we receive God's mercy. And now the evidence of us receiving God's mercy is when we go and extend that same mercy to other people. By proclaiming the forgiveness of sins, but then also meeting practical needs. What does the Good Samaritan do? Bandages them up, puts them on a donkey, and takes them to a hotel, and then says, 
Take care of them and I'll pay for it. And Jesus says, that was extending mercy. So the question is, does the mercy Christ extended to us at the supper, at the last supper, affect the way we're going to now extend mercy to others? I wasn't going to do this today, but after the first service, we're going to do this because I really wanted us to actually wrestle. I thought, yeah, we could take a special offering. We can cover the $1,000, right? I think, this is not a problem. We can cover the $1,000. And so I didn't want to do this. So I thought we should wrestle with this. But somebody after the first service said, okay, you got to do this. So we have to strike while the iron is hot thing. They said, hey, we, whatever you don't get at the second service, we'll make up the difference for. So this isn't normal. We're going to do the Baptist thing. We usually get this right once in a while. We're going to take a second offering today thing. As we come forward today, we'll just usher. We'll need a basket right here. Thing. We're going to put in a basket right here for a second offering. As you're coming forward today for the communion, just ask that um, if you have any extra cash or spare change, just throw it in. Now, hear me on this. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is very clear about this. The Apostle Paul says, I write to you to meet my need, but if it burdens you, don't meet it. And so I want to be really clear. This is not a guilt thing. This is, if this is going to put you in a hard spot, you don't have to feel bad about not giving. But if you have abundance today, if you can make a gift to help with bring clean water and mosquito nets, and this is all we're trying to meet, is $1,000 for clean water and mosquito nets. We've got a trustworthy person here that we can walk alongside. We're going to do that today. I believe that God can bring us $1,000 this morning. Thanks. So we're going to pray for that. And then as you come forward for the offering this morning, I just ask that you give that gift right here today. So what we're going to do now is we're going to prepare to take communion. And as we take communion this morning, we're going to do a couple of things differently. Okay, I'm going to get fired after today. Thanks. Thanks. So we're going to do a couple of things different. We're going to dismiss you to come up for communion. We're going to go back, and as we're taking communion this morning, we're going to sing the offering song again. The song that we sang during offering this morning, we're going to sing that again during communion. If you look at the words of that song, have we sang that song before? Brand new song. Sing. The words of that song are all about God hears my life as an offering, use my life. And so as we're taking communion today, come and receive forgiveness and then sing at the exact same time. And you're singing, God, take my life, let me be an offering to other people, and at the same time, we've got a practical way to give an offering. God has blessed us beyond measure, not just financially, but God has blessed us beyond measure and that he has forgiven our sins and now given us an opportunity to go out and to be a blessing. Let's leave here today with clean water for 32 more kids. We can't do everything, but we can start in one place in extended mercy as God has extended mercy to us. Let's thank Pastor Samuel for coming today. Let's bless him for his ministry here. We're going we're gonna to have communion thing. And then, you know, take this. This morning, as you come forward for communion, um, Pastor Samuel is going to serve the wine with the wine with me, and uh, invite anyone to come forward this morning that believes that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. My hope this morning that as Pastor Samuel serves communion with us, that this is symbolically a picture of God's broader kingdom, that this is a stretch for us, and that in the future, one time I'm sure how we work it out, but one time in the future we would have communion with your congregation in some way and that we would be a true reflection at that time of the, 
of the body of, of Christ together. And so let's pray for Pastor Samuel this morning, his congregation, the orphans, and also for us. Almighty God, thank you. We thank you first and foremost for the mercy that you've extended to us. And Lord, thank you for Jesus and the forgiveness of sins you've given to us. And God, thank you for bringing Pastor Samuel to Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Thank you that you've given him a diligence of learning English. Thank you that you've given him a diligence of working hard. Thank you, Lord, that you've given him a desire to be a blessing to other people. Lord, we ask today that you'd be with him and his wife and their kids. I pray for his wife today as they prepare to have another child this week, that you would bless her with good health. We pray for the new baby, that you'd bring forth a young man or a young woman that would love you. And Lord, we also pray for Pastor Samuel, the congregation that he serves today. God, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless that congregation with the resources that they need. We ask that you would double that congregation in size this next year. And Lord, we pray that you would enable us to partner together in any way possible. Pray that you give us wisdom and discernment on how you'd have us grow together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, we pray this morning for our brothers and sisters, our neighbors who are without clean water and who are faced with difficult circumstances at the orphanage in Jamaica and also in Liberia. God, I ask that you would break in and that you would supply their needs today. Lord, we pray for this offering that's taken. Lord, I ask today that whatever the amount is, that you would be honored and glorified by it. And Lord, I ask specifically that you'd bring $1,000 for clean water today and mosquito nets. And Lord, we ask that you would take this situation and continue to build your kingdom through Pastor Samuel in that orphanage. God, we ask your divine protection upon those children today, and we ask that you'd supply their needs. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. God, we thank you for the kids that you've given each of us. And this morning, I pray for our sons and our daughters here. Lord, help us raise kids that have a thankful heart, that are thankful for all of the things that you've given to us. And help us as individuals not to be wasteful, Lord, but to be resourceful and good stewards of all that you've given. God, thank you for your mercy. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.